We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your team's volleyball game to the next level? On the VolleyPod, we talk to top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategy for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your team's game today. Good evening and welcome to the VolleyPod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, doing well. You know, the high school season, we're in our last week of the regular season. How fast it goes. Seems so fast and so slow at different parts of the season. <laughs> but now we're getting into the fast part. We're getting so now into the we're playoffs. getting ready yeah. for, uh, we have our seating meeting. Now, where are you guys, uh, where are you going to end up? Do you have any idea? I think we're going to end up four in, in Division Two. Okay. We've been winning, but our schedule isn't that tough okay so our our power you so know, who rankings. are the three ahead of you so it's helix pack ridge and olp okay now so. we might flip with olp because we did beat them head to head in a but I'm, I'm not sure if they're still doing that yeah there are a bunch of rules in san diego yeah. with the power rankings and that uh what davis is referring to is that if you're right next to a team and you have a head-to-head win you could leapfrog them Yes. And we might get leapfrogged if Westview is on the other side of us. So we're okay. in kind of this almost the same spot. We'll be okay. between probably three and five okay. in the same. open division. Yeah. Uh, we're in D2. And yeah. So we're looking at uh, maybe a home match in the open division, which for us is pretty big. That'd be super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We love having home matches and, and uh, don't get a lot of them in CIF <laughs> typically. Right. So we're stoked to have a home game this, this cool. uh, coming up. So it's going to be super fun. Good stuff. Well, hey, best of luck. And, Thank you, you as well. Uh, as we uh, move into uh, the show, I think Absolutely. you're starting out with the skill. I'm on the skill. And this skill is one that I am so stoked to talk about because I think it's vitally important, especially at the higher levels, but really at any level, to winning. And it relates to setter choices. And today we're going to talk about setter vision. Okay, yeah. This this uh, kind of picks up where we left off because we talked about vision a couple weeks ago. Yep. And the one thing that we left out, I wouldn't say we, I left out was uh, setter vision. And so I wanted to turn that over to you with your, with your setter background. Yes. And, <laughs> well, and I think of this a lot like um, the setter's like a quarterback on the team, right? And in that they decide who the ball goes to. But as a quarterback, you go through these eye checks, right? And the series of eye checks. Progressions. Uh, progressions, yeah, yeah, to make, it, yeah, to make the right throw. And to me, a lot of times setters do not use their eyes enough and they're just kind of setting off of feel or off of sort of situations that have been repeated in their past and they kind of think they know what's going to work but if they can use their vision they can actually see what's going to work and make even better decisions cool so, so where do they start so the very very first thing in my mind is you've got to be able to square left towards left front and take the ball slightly on your right eye if you are taking the ball on the left side of your body you're going to end up having to face there and you won't be able to see what's going on on the other side. So of now net. does it, with all of the, you know, the setting off one foot, does that matter one or two, as long as they have it on the right? 
I, yeah, to me, that doesn't matter as much. You know? Okay. Yeah. So um, I think they got to take the ball in their right eye and it's, again, it's slightly, right? It's right. not, it's not a ton, but just slightly on the right eye, square left. And the other thing that I've seen that I really like, especially for older teams is this over square technique where they're going to actually, instead of squaring left, they're going to square at their middle blocker. So if the middle's hitting a three, I'm going to square to the three and then kind of set the left front ball off my left shoulder a little bit. And wow. I really like that too. So they're almost facing the net. Almost facing the net. Wow. And side setting. All, yeah, t- slightly. It's it's more like, yeah, just barely, right? But that's the idea. Um, but, well, the, but you watch the, the best setters and they're doing all kinds of ways. Absolutely. You know? Yes. So um, all the robotic stuff I taught years ago, I'm going, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> How many kids did I screw up? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I mean, if they can start squaring up to the left, they can start picking up some details on the other side of the net. Now, the common mistake with especially with young setters is to just face their back to the back set. A lot of times, especially when they're setting back, right, and they just they lose all the information. Right, that's on so the now side. they're they're facing basically area five, right. setting back, right. Yes, and it's just a guess whether it's going to be open or not. And what do I mean by open? Well, open to me means you don't have two blockers waiting right there, right. Um, or if you're playing younger, you know, younger teams, maybe the the, the one blocker isn't there. Right. Yep. So if we can get the hitter to hit open, they're going to have a much better chance to score and you're going to increase your team's chance to win. So this is a huge topic and I love it. So let's let's go. So what are the most important things to notice? OK, so the first question is, what are the first uh, most important things to notice? And I would say the layers of the defense. And to me, the f- first layer is the most important layer for the setter to notice. The first layer is the block. So if the setter can pick up the block they're going to, and nothing else, let's say, then they're still going to have a really good chance to get their, their team open. Right. Um, and I'll say after the block is the base defense, the two wing defenders, you notice where they are. And then you can also notice where the middle back is. So really when they're looking at the block, it's the middle blocker mostly with a, a little bit of attention to the, the pin blockers, but it's really, where is that middle blocker? Is that middle blocker, um, home at, you know, in front of our middle or in the middle of the court or have they gone someplace else right and if they've gone someplace else can we set the place that they didn't go to and if they're at home can we set to the pins to make them go a long distance right so it's kind of this if this then that so if they're outside set inside right if they're outside right i just said that. if they're inside set outside if they've left to the right set to the left now how do you know well you take a peek and what do I mean by take a peek? You don't have to see it. I'm going to use the word see it because there's there's multiple types of vision that we have as a human species to uh, to shout out our, our good friend, Dave Rubio. Okay. <laughs> he was talking as, about human species yes. last time. I like it. Right. And as a human species, we, we have different types of vision. You can even close your eyes and, and, and blind people can catch stuff sometimes. It's amazing. Right. And so that's a form of vision. But then there's also the peripheral vision and there's also like detail vision where you look for detail. You do not need to look for detail. You only need to look for a big blur in space. So is that big blur outside? Is that big blur right side or is that big blur middle? You do not need to see what, uh, you know, type of jersey she's wearing. Is it Asics or Adidas or whatever. You don't need to see that. So what I mean by that, the reason I bring that up is just a, it's just a quick eye dodge. My eyes dodge off the ball. 
So, and, and let's talk about when do they look, right? So after, okay, and this is, let's go, let's, let me go back one step before I go into that. I'm kind of talking about setters that are able to make sets, meaning able to make all the sets. Right, once right. they get to the point where they can locate to the left side, they can locate yes. to the right side, they can find a middle attacker. Right. Then I think you can start getting into some of this tactics. But I think before that, even you were talking about this idea of patterns. Yes. And I think you can study patterns. And then once you kind of understand patterns, then when they progress to the level that you're talking about, yes, then they can start doing some of this stuff that, that you get to this point where go ahead, because this stuff yeah. is new to me. I've never really taught this. I've watched it but I've never really taught it. Well, I think your point, it, to your point, I think it's a great point because most teams, they just play the same pattern all the time. And so it's like, if you know, if, if we're running middle or if it looks like we're running middle, they're going to front the middle and right. then we're at least from there. But as you get to the higher level teams, they'll start playing the percentages a little bit more and start reading the setter a little bit more, stuff like that. But um, basically they need to notice space. Okay, so... When do they look? They look after they've gauged where the pass is going to be. Then they run under the pass. Then they take their eyes off the ball and look. And then they go back to the ball. Okay, so gauge where the pass is, run under it, look, and back to the ball. Okay, and that look is literally just an eye dart. Okay, and even then, you're only looking to bring it into your peripheral view. You're not like straight looking them in the eye like some you know, pro beach players do when they're hitting right. cutties, right? You're just trying to gain an awareness of where they are. And then when you go back to look at the ball, you can notice where they are. And and I think that is actually a key thing because a lot of times they'll take a look and still not notice. So there's a, there's a mental right. portion that goes into with uh, seeing, right? They need to see with noticing. Yeah, right? this is interesting because I want to get back to the first thing that you said and that if they're if they have the ball on their right eye and peripherally they're kind of looking at their target they can almost get like a shadow yes. of a cheating middle yes to the left absolutely yeah and there the, i think maybe if we're looking like for a basic progression it was hey you send a middle sometimes and you don't send a middle yep. sometimes and you have that setter you know catching the ball or something before they said and going, yep, she's there. Nope, she's not, yep. you know, and then it's just, do they see it there or not? Yes. Rather than I got to know exactly where she's going. No, you don't need to turn your head That's all right. the way because you're, if you're doing what you said in the beginning, right. then they're going to have peripherally, it's going to be, they're going to almost feel that shadow. Yes. Let's say you're running a three. And they can see, is that three fronted? Do they see something moving in front of that three right. or not? That's exactly right. And I mean, the only reason you would really need to look at the middle blocker to take your eyes off is maybe to look at the space like in the donut where, you know, for a floor dump, that kind right. of thing. But you don't really need to do it to see the middle in general. Okay. Right. So I would agree with that. I love the word feel because there's lots of times in life where you can feel something's by you and right. it's in your vision, but you can't see it, quote yep. unquote. So I really like that. So I'll say a lot of times, feel the block, you know, is the block with you? Do you feel them 
you know, breathing down your neck or, or are they not? Right. So I think that's a really good point. Um, when the opposing team plays us straight up. Okay. And by playing a straight up means kind of what I was explaining before they honor the middle on a good pass and then leave as soon as the ball's set. Right. What we would call maybe read blocking. Yeah. Read blocking. Okay. So they're not committing anywhere. They're reading. Uh, okay, go ahead. So from that straight up sort of one-on-one -on -one scenario, um, you can see so many things you can, you can manipulate the defense. Um, if you just know what they're doing, if not, you're just guessing and you're playing right into their hands. So when do we start teaching vision? So I think you, you mentioned this, we can do some stuff with the patterns, but I think there's some really easy ways, uh, that we can get them to start seeing, uh, what's on the other side of the court at least. And one of the things is just simply like we talked about at the beginning, can they square up? Right. And can they do some balls, uh, set some balls where they're over square, where they're, they are facing the net. Yeah. I've never done that. I like that idea though. Yeah. So it, it kind of just brings that kind of face. experiment. It's yeah. experimental, you know, and it's, that's cool. I like that. I got to try it. Yeah. And then I, I got a couple things for how they could train vision, even for the younger um, kids too. And it's really, really simple. So they start with the net, they throw at the net, they throw the ball to themselves, just toss it up to themselves. And I'm, you know, they're a setter. And I'm going to hold up my right hand or, or not. I'm just going to, as the ball's coming down, I'm going to hold up my right hand or not. That's, and that could indicate a number of different things. But for me, it's, that's, I left. I'm seeing motion. So I'm the middle. I went outside. So then right? they would set back. And so they would set back. Right. right. And so they just start seeing it. Then um, you start doing it away. So, well, first is doing it towards because they see the motion. They want to go towards the motion. Right. And then the second one would be away from the motion. And then the third one is you hold it up later and later, right? Forcing them to be um, more neutral in a more neutral position and make their decision later and later. Because the reality is, I think that's actually one of the bigger challenges. They're, the middle is going to go when they know, right? So a lot of times you need to see them go very late, meaning as close to your hands when the ball is dropping onto your hands as possible, because they're going to see your thumbs go forward, right? And then they're going to go back, and then so we got to decide later. So yep. can we stay in that neutral position? So those are all things that you can do with with younger kids, you know. I think, um, and then you start adding the middle in there, and you go middle step, right? Middle's just going to step one way. Yep. Middle's going to actually read. Okay, so middle's actually now basing what they do off of the setter. Right. And we call that one setters versus middles. We do that all the time. And uh, it's amazing how often they're wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if you can keep that neutral position, I'd love that. Um, and then offense versus offense. You know, you just let them go with the full offense and, yeah. and you give a, uh, points for getting an isolation or getting a split in the block, that kind of thing. You just reward their decision making. Um, and how do we know whether they made a choice off of vision or patterns? You have a do you have a thought on that? Uh, I don't know. I think that's a that's the million dollar question for me. So, so when the defense does something different, something odd, the seeing player will know and make the correct decision. The pattern player won't, right? Right. So that's what you want. That's one of the games you'll play. You're like, okay, middle. I want you to fake right and then go left. Yeah. Right. No one. No one does that. Right. You know. But, but the seeing player will see that. Right. And so you want that seeing player. I think the seeing player will make the better choice more often in the random situation. Right. So that's just some, um, that's just some ideas for that. 
Um, how can I you, like it. How can you tell if a setter has a great vision? Well, they make strong choices that typically avoid the block. And they don't run hitters into two blockers a lot unless they have to. And they won't run their, their hitters into the biggest blocker. There's lots of ways you can see if they're making it. But I like the idea of this was a good cho choice. This was not a good choice. I think a lot of times it's a little bit mushy. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing, you've talked about this before, is the idea of asking questions. And yes. I'm always asking defenders, what, do you, what did you see? And I don't think I do that with setters enough. Yes. And just asking them, okay, what did you see there? No, right. What do you mean, what did I see? <laughs> I was looking at the ball. I saw a big I saw, white ball coming saw, towards me, and I said it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely. So, but yeah. if, you, if we want to teach vision, I think we have to start asking them and making them aware of that and then going through that process. But that's absolutely. cool. That's, that's good stuff. That's, uh, you're, uh, you're teaching me some things there that I like. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and I like I, I like a setter who adds chaos to the other team, Yep. right? If you can see them break out of their base a little bit early and get a floor dump yep. and sneaky, I love that stuff because it just kind of breaks up the patterning of, of the game and uh, can be really... Oh, rip really, your heart out. Yeah, rip your heart out. Exactly. Rip your heart out. That's like, a big point. Now we got we to gotta stop this outside. Now they're floor dumping on us. It's like, <laughs> sure. come on. Yeah, so that's what I got on Setter Vision. Hey, it's, I like it. It's doable and it's worth it, is my thought. And maybe eventually we'll get to a little more of like a progression, like a quarterback. I you like know? it. But uh, some, keep it simple, keep it uh, keep it straightforward, and uh, that's it. I love it. So you're on the scenario. Scenario. I am actually picking up one of yours that you did, and it is uh, back to safety. And it comes from one of our listeners, Chris Lever, who's nice. an awesome guy, Absolutely. helps us out a lot. And you know his daughter, Sierra, yes. and she is one of our all-time favorites. She's an awesome player, too. Awesome. Just awesome just a person, kid all yeah. along. And yeah, it's just, it's, anyway, we had the safety uh, episode. And he's like, hey, what about concussions? And I said, oh, concussions, they're so important. We have to do Saving a whole <laughs> scenario on it. So yep. this scenario is how can I better hand, how can I get a better handle on player concussions? And I think number one is just the general awareness of the issue and making sure your players know that, hey, if there's anything that's going to kill your season, it's going to be a concussion. Right. It's probably the most common thing, maybe now more than a sprained ankle or a yeah. knee injury or whatever. Concussion's going to just set your way back. So Absolutely. there's that awareness. Uh, number two is the equipment you have around your gym. So can you make sure that you have padding there? Can you make sure that it's you have a safe environment so people aren't running into something that isn't padded? So in one of our matches recently, I won't say the team, they, there was a pole, a volleyball pole at the back of the court. It, it was padded, but they're like, "Do you guys want to switch sides?" And we're like, "Heck yes, we want to switch sides." There's a big pole in they the back. They couldn't pull it out. They could not pull it out. They had like four people trying to pull out this pole. They ended <laughs> up padding it, and I mean, we played. I mean, it was off the court. I'm, I'm, it was, How you far? Know, it was probably, you know, it's it was at the back of the basketball court, so it's a good distance off. But you still, know, still, it's still a little disconcerting. Yeah, I'm like, we're not going to play all three <laughs> sets on this side, anyways. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, no, that's it. No, but it's a good point. So yeah. uh, next one, and this is my pet peeve, or oh, I'm always, man. and this is pre-match serving. Mm -hmm. And so I see a lot of teams where they'll be over by their bench in a huddle talking to their coach with their back to the servers. Uh, 
And now, you know, I'm yelling at players, hey, we don't trust those servers. We think that they're the most erratic, craziest servers <laughs> on the planet. Yes. Get behind the bench and we'll have a coach stand. If we're huddling, a coach kind of in protection mode, uh, standing in front of the crowd and knock any uh, errant serves away because the last thing we want before a match is to get one of our kids pegged in the side of the head of course, and get concussed. Uh, next one. This was the one I actually did a little reading up on this and they said, they said most concussions occur when there's uneven competition. Okay. And it makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when you think of that, I think placement of your defenders is something as coaches we have to be aware of. And, you know, if we're playing Lexi's son, I'm not taking my offside blocker at 10 and 10 and saying, hey, I grip your platform and dig that ball that's hit straight down. Right. Because you're putting her, that kid, in harm's way, you know? And so you have to be aware of, wait a minute, what is going on here? We don't have a block. This kid is up over 10 feet and hitting sharp angles. Can we keep our kids safe by making some defensive decisions on where we're going to stand that don't put them in harm's way? That's a great point, absolutely. Uh, next one, uh, attacking awareness when shagging. Oh yeah. And so uh, this one is if you're, you know, not having, you know, hitters running under the net and running onto the court and then getting pegged in the back of the oh, head man. by that next hitter. I had a brutal one. One of my one of my years when I was uh, at San Diego Christian College, and the girl had to be woken up with smelling salts. She got knocked oh my gosh. out on the And now lines. some of these kids, they can hit, you know. Super yeah, I mean, they get set 50-50 and they can hit down and you're yeah. shagging and you got to be careful of that. So uh, I am big into this, you know, awareness when teams are attacking. Uh, I have a spike server. I have, uh, you know, Kaya, she's back spike serving. Okay. And we have to get our hands up kind of like men's volleyball because if she hits the back of the head of one of our middles, she could be out. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So for sure. I think we have to be aware of that too. Um, practices, when a couple practice behaviors, one-way serving. In the old days, we used to, oh, paired serving. And and we're, you know, in all our practices now, we're going serving one way. If we have one court, we might go half and half. Well, that's uh, what I thought you were going to talk about on pre-match serving. So do you do the same thing in pre-match? We go two ways in pre-match, but we're trying to take some people out of it. So there's okay. not that many. Right. So um, we have a fairly a small team. Right. Okay. Uh, but I think that's something I'm always I'm always worried about. Same, yeah. Uh, especially if you have a bigger team and a smaller space. Right. Right. Uh, uh, practice pairs group over the net. So let's say you have you know 14 players and you're trying to get seven kids in one net, and yeah. kids are missing it and they don't have good control. They can get pegged. Oh yeah. It's like you're putting kids in a bad situation. There's got to be half of your kids are doing that. Maybe half of your kids are doing something behind the court. Like that. Uh, a joint in practice, adjoining court awareness. What is going um, on on the next court? And are there players doing something where they might hit an errant ball to, let's say, uh, attacker is left front. There's a server on the other court that hits a serve there that we got to be careful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So an awareness of what's going on there. 
and then I think there's a series of things as far as teaching that we can do. Number one is teaching overhead digging. And I, we see all these kids gripping, you know, the ball is attacked and they're gripping their hands down below their waist. And hey, how much time have we spent teaching them? Hey, you got to have your hand. There are times to have your hands up yes. and you got to be comfortable of, hey, uh, we always tell them, hey, you got to protect your modeling career, girl. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you don't want to... Uh, you don't want to ruin that career with with one errant spike from Kaya, right? Well, uh, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, and then along with that, it's not just the skill of overhead digging. Let's say you play overhead pepper, and you say, "Hey, we're going to play pepper, but you're going to hit the ball over the head." So you just practice digging overhead. Um, high hand situations. Hey, you're you get caught up high in the court because you think it's a set or dump, but she doesn't dump it, and all of a sudden you're at eight feet. And they set a quick attack and they have a kid that can hit some sharp angles. Your hands have to be held high. Yes. You don't want your hands gripped at your waist. So it's uh, teaching that too and creating those scenarios. So it's not just having the skill, but it's having that knowing, hey, if you're high up in the court, you got to get those hands up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You don't want to get hurt. Uh, assertive communication. Mm -hmm. I think that there's communication that can prevent some collisions because some of the concussions are player versus player yep. collisions. Uh, along with that, rules of the road and the idea of parallel lines. Who's going in front of whom? Yes. And we want to make sure that we have uh, that's clear. There's some clarity there so players understand that. Uh, floor moves, you know, yes. I think, oh my uh, when you look at some players hit the floor and they don't know how to hit the floor. So they get concussed because their head hits the floor because yep. they haven't practiced it. Yeah. It's dangerous. And so have you we given them training on, Hey, here's how you protect yourself. This is for you, for your safety. Uh, I always talk about floor moves and I said, Hey, there's, there's two things we need to do here with floor moves. What are the two things, Davis? Number one is dig the ball, dig the ball. Number two, get up. Live to dig the ball again. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> got to do two yeah, things. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You got to do two things. We're not even talking about getting up. We're yeah. just going, hey, get the ball up. And can I not just drag you off the floor right. for the next, you know, match or whatever? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I think the last one that we have to talk about, well, I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole, is the, all the concussion protocol. If it that does happen, you have yes. to follow it. Absolutely. And you have to be diligent about it. But those are uh, some of the things that I kind of got into with player concussion. As, as I started thinking about it, I'm like, wow, there's more hair than I thought. Yeah, that was good stuff, for real. And, I mean, I suffered a major concussion when I was eight. I fell out of a tree, and I was out for oh, you know, wow. a long time. And it is nothing to mess around with, absolutely. See, and I thought, I think I had it. I had this vertigo a couple of years ago, and, and I think I was concussed when I was, uh, you know, I SUP surf. Okay. And so when you fall surfing, your hands always go in the water first. It's just natural. Right. But when you're holding a paddle, it's a little different. Uh, I thought I was getting hit a couple of times. I think I was concussed, and that's uh, how why I had vertigo. That could be. So Absolutely. I kind of it was a little self-diagnosis there. I was wondering why I was waking up in the morning feeling like I was walking out of a pub at night. <laughs> you know, when I got up in the morning. Yeah. It is not. It's not anything to mess around with. I'm stoked we did that. That's really good. All right. So I am on the you have videos. Some videos. What do yes. you have for the setter stuff? So yeah. So we're on uh, setter vision and uh, three great videos. They'll be in the show notes. The first is Ryan Theus from Marquette. 
he just has a bunch of setting vision work stuff on there and tons of great resources and drills and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a really great video to check out. And then the next one is Debbie Brown, who's obviously one of the top setters maybe ever. Um, she's at Seal Beach now, and she's made them really strong at setting. And she does a bunch of stuff with, um, well, she does a specific drill in this one, but she does some stuff on setter vision that I really liked. And then this one I thought was a really interesting video too. It's how important is peripheral vision with uh, Celine Drunick. And she was one of the best libreros in the world uh, during 99-2000. And um, she talks about the importance of peripheral vision. I think we we have a sense that it's really important. But I think they're finding out more and more that it's extremely important. So those are the videos. They'll be on the show notes. And you are up for the resource of the week. All right. The resource uh, along the, the safety thing. I think there, there are a bunch of websites out there for parents. And this one I found is Whole Child Sports Beyond Winning. And there's actually a book, Beyond Winning. I haven't read it yet. I was just kind of on the website. It's called Beyond Winning, Sport, Smart Parenting in a Toxic Sport Environment. Uh, and these guys get into uh, how to make the sports experience for kids better. Okay. And we know all the stats that we have, you know, this high percentage of kids uh, quit by age 13. And uh, how do we keep kids involved with sports, keep them healthy? Uh, the uh, uh, they have a bunch of just very interesting stuff here. Uh, I'll read you a couple uh, little things. Uh, the youth football revolution that was and still can be. Uh, three things female athletes can do to avoid a season-ending ACL tear. Ooh, that's good. Uh, so they have a bunch of things that. Uh, for player health, uh, you know, this one is can moms coach too? You know, they have a bunch of good okay. stuff. And uh, I just think it's, it's good for us to remember uh, kind of big picture stuff. So check this out. Once again, uh, whole child sports beyond winning. Uh, great resource. It'll be in the show notes. Absolutely. Davis, you got some socials for us? Absolutely. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at aoc.thevolleypod and on Twitter at thevolleypod. And once again, thanks so much. It's a great episode. Davis, well done, my friend. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye.